Hello, and welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Alexia McKeels. Alexia is the co-founder of the Resilience Institute Europe. She understands that resilience needs to be cultivated on a daily basis, mobilizing all our resources, body, heart, mind, and spirit. She now accompanies people and organizations in many countries that want to build their resilience skills and be ready to face with joy and success the daily challenges of a transforming world. Welcome to the podcast, Alexia. I'm delighted to have you here. Thank you, Rasuda. I'm delighted to be here too. So the the realm that you work in, um, resilience, it's such an important one and uh, it, it's definitely related to the topic of impact, which is my area of focus. You can never have impact alone. And uh, you, I think you describe on your website that you work with organizations, being people together, working together, achieving what individuals can't alone. What would you define as a resilient organization? What, what does that look like? It's probably worth um, redefining resilience um, so that okay. people understand the the vision we have of resilience. Resilience is, first of all, a f- concept that comes from physics. It relates mm. to the ability of a material to maintain its original shape despite the pressure. Ah, then it has okay. been used in therapy, referring to the ability to bounce back from trauma. Now, we are not therapists at the Resilience Institute, um, but we definitely want to make people well aware about how they can use their inner resources, body, heart, mind, and spirit, in order to navigate the up and down of life in general, of their career in particular, of this special COVID-19 period with more calm, with more confidence. And when we work with an organization, we accompany the leaders and their teams so that first of all, we create a common language to refer to these topics. And we accompany them to create an environment where people feel they can be supported to face challenges with more success. Well, your work is particularly timely now. I imagine that uh, organizations are reaching out to you because of the whole pandemic scenario and and how we're all being challenged in our resilience. Correct, indeed. So we have been around for many, many years, about 20 years. I've joined myself the Resilience Institute 11 years ago. And and definitely uh, we can see in today's context that the attention for the topic is rising. uh, And this is really a good thing because I think we all need to be resilient individually collectively, and we have had lots of organizations understanding that next to the technical competences that are needed if you want to deliver results and and achieve great Mm -hmm. performances, when times are turbulent or when there is a very high level of uncertainty, you need to develop different types of competences. 
and we will call them resilient competences. The ability okay. to manage yourself and to manage the interactions uh, with more diligence in order to have more impact. We come back to this word of impact. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you work in uh, Europe, I think, primarily, um, and you're based in Switzerland, you personally, and is that, do you see cultural differences? I mean, you've worked in China, you've worked, uh, you know, different places around the world, so I'm, I'm always curious about cultural differences. I was born in Europe, I grew up in Canada, I now live in the United States, so I'm always very intrigued by differences. This is a, a really good question indeed. Um, I would say, of course, there are some cultural differences in the way people um, get attentive to the concept of resilience in the topics that interest them the most in our approach. Mm. But on the other hand, when we start addressing the interactions between body, heart, mind and spirit, there is definitely something that goes beyond the cultural differences. And this is a physiology. And biologically, mm. whether you come from China, from the US or from Europe, we are very, very similar. And this is also one of the reasons um, that convinced me to join the Resilience Institute many years ago is because I felt there was something uh, that goes really beyond the cultural differences. We are touching what unites us as human, human beings and and I have seen that indeed working through various organizations in different countries, people tend to be equally impacted, although their interest for some topics might differ, but they are equally impacted. Hmm. Well, something you talk about is, is a, as a resilient organization, it's one that realizes its own potential through nurturing things like bouncing back, thriving on challenge, um, having a positive impact on others. Can you talk more about that whole realm? Yeah, I, I really believe that in an organization, you first have individuals. Uh, so there is no shortcut. We cannot talk about an organization without talking about the people in the organization. And I totally yes. believe that yeah. if you want an organization to be resilient, you first need to support people to develop their personal resilience. When people mm -hmm. are more resilient, they tend also to be more self-confident. Mm -hmm. When they feel physically well, emotionally engaged, mentally clear, guided by values that give meaning to their choices, they tend to be more self-confident. When people are more self-confident, they tend also to be able to trust others more easily. And that's how you can create trust in a team. Mm. And I believe that trust in a team is one of the key elements that can help people to work well together, to have a collaborative mindset, uh, to have respect for each other and to perform at the highest level. And when you have trust in a team, you can also trust a strategy. And, and this is what organizations need at this moment. Trust in the strategy mm -hmm. to go through these special challenges that we are all facing and to create hope for a more positive future. Mm. I love hearing that. I, I uh, hadn't made that connection between resilience and trust. Why do you think they're connected? Because definitely trust is very often considered as, do I trust others? Um, but if you want to trust others, you first have to trust yourself. Ah, yeah. 
And yeah. if you want to trust yourself, you need to know you well. And when you know mm -hmm. you well, you can manage your, yourself better. And when people know how to manage their inner resources, they tend indeed to be more self-confident. And they also recognize other people in a team as being a whole human beings and not just a brain, but someone who has emotions, who may be rested or who may be exhausted. So the ability to recognize people working with you as a whole human being with emotions, with a certain level of energy, with some aspirations, um, really helps to work better together and to create more trust in a team. Yeah, that's so true. I, I love the, the way you've connected all of that. And I mean, you yourself have had um, kind of an interesting career path. You started off with a degree in commercial and consular sciences. You went into marketing and media. Then you were in China, became a coach and yoga instructor. And then you co-founded the the Resilience Institute Europe. So why resilience? What is it about that that really drew you in your career? Definitely, um, in my case, it is my discovery of China that triggered my interest in resilience. So when huh. I left Europe and lived in China for five years, I discovered a culture that was much more holistic than what I was used to in the Western world. And I got really mm -hmm. interested by this uh, holistic view of the human being. And then at that time, my interest for the more recent sciences like neuroscience, positive psychology um, became higher. And I was fascinated by the fact that we could understand with science, with research, concepts that had been around for thousands of years. But now with the help of science, we could finally address these topics in a very pragmatic way without having to go into esotericism. And for me, what was really the trigger is that it would help me also to address these topics in the corporate world. I really like the corporate world. I like the entrepreneur's world. Um, I like business. And I find really interesting to address these topics using their language. And now yeah. with science, with research, we can do it. Yeah, I can certainly see how the rise of interest and relevant research in neuroscience is really helping people understand this whole realm, the, the kind of the emotional realm, but from a, a scientific basis. So I think in some ways that's easier for the Western mind to kind of get into. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I believe for many topics, when people understand things better, they tend to be more motivated to consider some adjustments. So when they do understand indeed that some emotions will help them to be more creative, to be more collaborative, they might well be motivated to trigger these emotions more proactively. When they do understand that sleep has an influence in your ability to focus, in your ability to be inspiring, and when they do understand it with scientific data, they will indeed pay more attention to having um, a sleeping routine that optimizes the chance of having indeed a good night's sleep. So that's really the idea. Knowledge increases motivation to pay a bit more attention to some practices. Right. 
And, and how does your yoga practice come into that? I'm always intrigued in the way that people have personal practices that really support their business and their work. I would say probably two things here. First, yoga is from your passion. So I'm, I discovered yoga in China. I decided to dive into it, to be able to teach it. Um, and the more I learn about yoga, the more I realize I do not know. Uh, and I need to learn more, uh, which really stimulates me. So my yoga practice um, helps me to keep calm despite the pressure. I really find that this is a, a great discipline to both um, work with your body and at the same time stimulate a peaceful mind and um, an inner calm. Now at the Resilience Institute, I would say that our approach in a certain way is very, very similar to the approach that is um, linked to yoga. Uh, so in a certain way, yoga is also is definitely a holistic discipline uh, yes. aiming at uniting body, heart, mind and spirit, um, navigating in the world with more consciousness. And at the Resilience Institute, using a language that is understandable for professionals working in a corporate world, we also aim at making they're more aware about their resources, body, heart, mind, and spirit, and increase their level of consciousness so that they can also have a more positive impact beyond themselves. Hmm. Wow, that's an interesting connection. Yeah, I can see that. Well, you've, I mean, this time that we're in this whole pandemic realm, I mean, it really it's not enough to kind of look at one aspect of your life. All aspects of our lives are being affected. So this area of resilience as it, it affects us personally, it affects us professionally. How has your work changed at all because of this kind of uh, exterior event that's shifted so much for people? Definitely. Since March, um, we had to nearly overnight change all of our programs to make them available online. Mm. So that has been um, a real shift. We had some online programs or some online modules, uh, but we have shifted from having just part of our programs online to having the whole of our programs uh, online. So that is a big, big change. I'm actually positively surprised by the impact we can have, even through a screen. I mean, in an ideal world, it would be fantastic to meet people face to face. But Certainly, considering yeah. the constraints, I find that um, technology offers great opportunities to also reach wider audiences. So I've been able to um, propose webinars to hundreds of people at the same time, which was totally unthinkable uh, a few months before as we were doing all mm -hmm. these conferences face-to-face. -face. Um, and that's also a way to diffuse these ideas and these practical strategies more widely. So that has also advantages. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been doing coaching for years um, over Zoom, and it's, uh, it's an extraordinary platform. It, it's remarkable how connected you can be uh, even in that kind of uh, that kind of setting, absolutely. Yeah, I've I heard you say in a in a um, summit that you were speaking at that you you said that millennials and Gen Z folks, Gen Z folks, 
tend to, they, they need to in, reinforce their resilience foundations. And I, I was taken by that mm. just because why those particular groups, do you think, in your experience? We do have um, an online tool. We call it the resilience diagnostic. And hmm. um, it has been used for about eight years. So we have accumulated lots of data. And regularly, we look at how we can interpret the data and find some correlations between resilience and gender or resilience and age or different factors. And regarding age, what we could observe is that typically the, re the average resilience level of these millennials, of these professionals between 20, 30, 35 years old, tend to be lower than the um, other age ranges, which is um, good news for us because it shows that resilience tends to increase with age. So that's very mm -hmm. encouraging for all of us. But indeed, right. it is also a bit preoccupying because I have myself uh, four children. My two eldest daughters are 25, 22. My eldest one is working. And I see the pressure um, these young people are exposed to in a world that is definitely more complex than when I started working True. 28 yes. years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I really believe that um, they do need to develop these resilience competences more urgently. And myself, I would have loved learning all these things earlier in my life. I discovered that when I was 30 years old, living in China, but if I would have been exposed to these ideas and to that awareness 10 years earlier, um, it would have certainly supported me in my career and in my life. Yeah. Well, it certainly is encouraging that you can build those skills. And uh, could you share with us ways that you can build your resilience you're looking at it as a set of competencies so how can you how can you build that yeah. that competency there is only one way to build your resilience it is through awareness and practice it is really important to be self-aware to understand where am i how do i feel right now how can i have some impact on myself on others and practice because we do strongly believe that the way we live our days defines very much the way we live our life. And it is worth from time to time questioning, what are my habits? What is my routine? And make sure that in your days, you have some habits that really support you, some non-negotiables. And these can be simple steps. It can be you know, taking a few minutes in the morning to reflect about my day. Uh, it might be at the end of the day, do um, relaxation exercise or during my day making sure that i have a few moments when i can disconnect from internet and focus all my attention on a specific task so there are various practices that can support you navigating daily life with its challenges but also with its choice um, with more confidence and this is really through practices Okay. I know a couple of things you talk about are walking meetings and micro breaks. And I don't know if walking meetings is really a resilience building thing, but perhaps it is. I, I certainly find them highly effective. So I do like walking meetings, yeah. including walking meetings with myself. <laughs> <laughs> These days, sometimes you'll, you'll just have to walk by yourself. But yeah. 
Working meeting is an interesting one because on the one hand, um, it brings you away from your chair. And we know from, uh, from research that uh, most people are definitely spending too many hours yes. sitting on a chair. And this yeah. is especially true as we work from home. And this is not healthy. It's not good for you. It's not good for your health. And mm -hmm. it does not help your mental focus and your creativity. Right. What we also know from working meetings is that when people um, are working side by side in one same direction, that tends to lead to more constructive conversations. Mm -hmm. There is really something about going in one same direction and being side by side that may not happen if you are face to face with a desk in between. Yeah, interesting. So when possible, this is definitely um, a very good practice. Yeah. It's interesting that the dynamic shift, I mean, it makes total sense. I just hadn't really thought about it exactly in that way before. So yeah, interesting. Well, you mentioned on your website that as an organization, one of your values is integral impact. And seeing that word impact always tweaks my attention. So what does it what does that mean, integral impact? That's indeed one of our core values, having an integral impact. It has two meanings. On the one hand, it is addressing all the dimensions of the human being, body, heart, mind, and spirit. On the other hand, it is also having an integral impact beyond the individuals we work with. We want to touch the team, the organization, and also the society. Our vision is that more and more people um, are sensitive to these topics, more and more organizations cultivate these resilient competences internally, because we then believe that it will not only impact positively um, those people within these organizations, but indirectly all stakeholders. So in other words, when we contribute to create a more human organization, it has a positive impact on the society as well. And this is definitely what we all need at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I know that in your book, The Resilience Drive, you talk about the resilience spiral. Can you tell us mm -hmm. more about that? Yeah, this is the, um, a key model that we use in our approach. And it looks like a spiral. And the spiral suggests that it is normal to have up and down. And this is a very important message because some people believe that being resilient is being at the top at all times, being happy, being positive all the times. So high it is not the case. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not the case. Being resilient is the ability to navigate through the up and down of that spiral, the up and down of life with awareness and with some calm and, and, and more confidence to succeed and bounce back. Or I would even say bounce forward a bit faster. So on the spiral, you have the negative spiral, which describes these moments when we tend to be struggling. Mm. And usually it starts with the mind, too many meetings, too many projects that lead to confusion. Then your concentration declines. We call this disengagement. Then maybe your heart starts being impacted. You tend to disconnect from people, to withdraw, or maybe even to disconnect from yourself. You become mm. vulnerable. And at some point, it is your body sending you signals, distressed signals like backache, shoulder pain, sleep issues, etc. So there is definitely something about um, the fact that when we are struggling, it starts with the mind, it then becomes emotional if we ignore the process. And if we keep ignoring it, 
the body sends signal. This is the negative spiral. Mm -hmm. When you understand the spiral better, then you become better at making sure that you do not stay stuck somewhere down here, mm. but you apply some practical strategies to bounce forward a bit faster. And the positive spiral, because there is also a positive spiral, invites people to consider building competences to keep calm despite the pressure, to master stress, to energize their body, to understand that when they pay attention to their physical vitality, they tend also to be better persons and to have more impact around them. It also invites people to engage their emotions positively, to train the mind, to make sure that despite the huge amount of information that we are exposed to, we are able to maintain clarity and focus. And the top of the spiral relates to what we call spirit in action. And spirit in our approach does not refer to religion, but it relates to the values that guide your choice, to ethics, to the purpose. And I believe that this is especially important in these uncertain times. Mm, yeah. No, that's a really good point. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued by um, something that you talk about, and that is you quantify what resilience delivers in a, in a quantitative way. Um, and how, how do you go about measuring that? Because one of the things that is always a challenge when you're uh, delivering a program of a non-concrete nature that, of course, people want to know well, how much effect is this going to have and how can I see the outcome? So I'm, I'm curious about how you, how you go about what your measures for resilience. Yeah, and you're right. It's important to, um, to track results because most people tend to be more motivated to engage in your practices when they can observe and track their results. <laughs> sure. um, you know, as we say in business, what gets measured yeah. gets attention. Right. And this is also true for resilience. So mm -hmm. as we are using um, a resilience diagnostic, which is um, a questionnaire based on robust psychometrics, we can translate the results into an indicator. And we call this indicator the resilience ratio. This is a figure. And as it is a figure, you can track it over time. And what is interesting when we work with an organization or with a team is that while the personal results are totally confidential, we can actually aggregate the results for a team or for an organization. And we can tell the organization, look, at this moment, here is your resilience ratio. Here are your resilience strengths. Here are your resilience risks, your points of attention. So it highlights the trends that we observe in a group and they can then track it over time because typically when we do a program, we encourage them to take a second diagnostic, which sure. is actually totally part of the program, mm -hmm. two, three months later. And yeah. they tend to be very motivated when they start seeing that there is indeed an improvement and the resilience ratio has increased. And right. that's how we can also compare um, different areas of the world or different age groups, as we just uh, mentioned it a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's important to be able to see what effect it's having. So, and, and especially look at it down the road periodically and see what kind of progress is being made. So I, 
I, this makes me kind of think this whole realm of resilience makes me think about leadership and what is resilient, what does leadership from someone who is resilient look like that differs from someone who isn't resilient? <laughs> that's a, that's a great question. So a resilient leader is a person who knows himself or herself well, who manages himself or herself well, and can have a positive impact on others. Mm -hmm. uh, this is really important for us because definitely leading is influencing. You can have leaders who may be very resilient for themselves, like they are good in coping with the pressure, but they have a negative impact on others. Mm -hmm. Well, in our definition, they would not be called resilient leaders. So okay. a resilient leader um, is not only resilient for himself, for his well-being, but is also having a positive impact on others and is even aware about the impact of his behaviors beyond himself and beyond others, but also in the environment. Uh, okay. Um, and how, how, have, how have these practices and your own knowledge about resilient leadership, how has that affected your own leadership? Because you're a leader within your organization as well. You know, I'm, I'm learning and I'm definitely not perfect <laughs> in that area. I'm so trying my best. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'm trying my best, but being a resilient leader is uh, a real challenge. Uh, but at the same time, I find that it is very rewarding uh, because it makes work much more interesting when you regard it not just as a, as a business project, but actually as a human project. Mm -hmm. And when you have the intention of creating a very human organization, of recognizing everyone in the organization as a whole human being, when you have the intention to have a positive impact beyond yourself, beyond the organization, on the society, in your zone of influence, mm. it definitely makes my work as a leader much more rewarding and much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that too myself. Are there ways that you intentionally develop your own leadership? I mean, in, including resilience, but perhaps beyond it to other things as well? Uh, I believe a lot in continuous learning. Um, so I join various learning uh, trainings. Um, I learn as well a lot from observing and from reading. Mm -hmm. So I tend to observe leaders around myself, trying to figure out what do I find inspiring, what tends to work well, what do I find not inspiring, and, and learn from what I do observe. Uh, I also learn a lot from my mistakes. Definitely, I, I, I regard that when you do something wrong, it is also a learning opportunity. And I read um, as much as I can, uh, keeping in mind that I'm an early riser and early uh, go-to-bed uh, person. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, yeah, I do not have as much time as I would love to, to read. Uh, but I find reading extremely inspiring. Mm -hmm. And also uh, love very much um, getting inspired by various sources. And we are talking about yoga. I find the history of yoga and the philosophy of yoga really interesting as well, uh, even in my personal development as a leader. So this is how I uh, progressively, I hope I'm developing myself as a resident leader. Yeah. Well, it, with that intentionality, I'm, I'm sure you are because you're bringing a lot of really 
good things to bear on that process. And nobody's perfect at it. And everyone has a learning curve and we can always get better at it. So, um, yeah. Certainly. And I also believe a lot in feedback. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think constructive feedback can either be positive, which reinforces good behaviors or progressive. Um, so whenever possible, whenever I feel it's appropriate, I ask for progressive feedback. How can I improve myself? What can I do differently? Uh, and when you ask that to people you trust, usually you get really interesting uh, answers yeah. and lots of things you can work on. <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, often revealing, certainly. Yeah. Well, how do you, how does, how do you and your company and how do companies develop res a resilient culture? Are there things you can do on an organizational level? I mean, I know you talked at the very beginning about how organizations are really just made up of people and that's where the focus has been in a lot of what we talked about, but is there something we, you can do on a cultural level within a company? I tend to believe that it's a piece of a puzzle. So when you have the intention of creating a resilient culture or having a resilience pillar in your culture, it's important to recognize that um, it is supported by various initiatives. With our programs um, and with our way of supporting organizations to develop that resilience pillar, we tend to start working at the leadership uh, level because mm -hmm. we believe that if you want to have more impact, you need leaders to incarnate the values, the approach that you want to diffuse in the organization. Yes. So it's very important to make sure that they are totally involved and they recognize that they also have a lot to learn. So whenever possible, we start at the highest possible level, XCOM, uh, management committees, and then progressively we diffuse it within the whole organization. Now, of course, um, you have in some organizations great HR departments uh, that do have uh, the means to diffuse an approach broadly. And we have worked with some organizations um, without having the support of leaders, but actually having a fantastic HR team determined to diffuse these resilience practices mm -hmm. uh, widely in the organization. And that has led to great results as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, it's always great to have cooperation, and I think starting with the high level is, it, it, in order for it to have buy-in across the board, it's, it's pretty much crucial, in my experience anyway. So it sounds like yours is similar. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Alexia, I always end these interviews with a rapid round of three questions about impact. Are you, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first one is, what is the best thing you've learned what is the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? I think having impact um, supports you. So it's, it's fantastic when you feel you're having a positive impact on yourself, on others, on the environment, because actually that awareness motivates you in a positive direction. Mm. Mm, that's great. Well, the second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Um, I'm very self-disciplined. So I would say that my self-discipline uh, has given me the freedom to make conscious choices. So um, I have a few habits that are definitely not negotiable. And that brings me in a posture that enables me to 
make conscious choices with more convictions. Mm, that's great. Yeah, it's interesting that it seems like contradictory that self-discipline gives you freedom, but it really is true. It's true indeed. And I know that it might be contradictory, but for me, it's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah, for me too. Well, the last question is, what's one insight or piece of advice you'd give to a business leader who's asking, how can I have more impact? How can I contribute more? Um, I think the key word is contribute. Um, I would really encourage all leaders of this world to open their mind, to open their awareness beyond themselves, beyond the organization, and realize that they can be a driver for changing the world. Um, I totally believe that businesses, organizations can contribute to transform the world in a positive way. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really important to include in their thinking all stakeholders so that the equation may not be easy to solve, but definitely um, more impactful. And that's how we will progressively create a better world. Yes, I'm with you there. I, I wholeheartedly believe that also. Well, Alexia, thank you so much for sharing your deep knowledge of resilience and how it can be applied, not just at the organizational level, but bringing it into our personal awareness and uh, ways that we can build our own resilience. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Ursula. It was my pleasure. Well, if, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? They can go on the Resilience Institute Europe website. So mm -hmm. maybe you can include the website address yes. somewhere um, in the web, uh, the podcast notes. Definitely. And, uh, and they can send me a note through the, through the website. I will be very happy to... Um, respond and start yeah. a conversation. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Alexia, and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Rosita. Thank you for joining me. If you want to discover more about your impact, you can schedule a business impact assessment with me. That's 75 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Just email me at Ursula at workalchemy.com to schedule your business impact assessment. It's my gift to you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of leaders like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.